The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hi, Shaleen. My name is Chantal, and I'm from Ontario, Canada. I discovered your podcast five years ago when I had made the decision at the age of 30 to finally quit smoking after 15 years of smoking. I ran in replacement of that. And while I ran, I listened to your podcasts and they were just so inspirational. I just couldn't wait for the next one and the next one. (laughs) The podcasts that you have come out with the past five years, so many of them have been so close to my heart. I grew up with a mother that suffered from depression and mental illness. And I was the oldest of three. So I took care of my younger siblings quite often while my mom would disappear sometimes for hours at a time. I moved out of the house at 15, so I got into a lot of trouble. I made a lot of bad choices. There was a lot of self-destruction, drugs, alcohol, sex. The first 20 years of my life were very dark. Therapy is huge. And when you encourage people to seek therapy, I couldn't agree with you more. It was an absolute life changer for me. They give you the tools to try to improve. And it takes time, but healing is possible. So I don't know where else to go with this aside from thank you so much for being who you are and for talking about the topics that you do. And you are the bomb.com girl. Thank you. I have ADD. Maybe you have ADD. Or as I like to say, maybe you live with someone who has the gift of attention deficit disorder. Maybe you love someone who has attention deficit disorder. In this episode, I'm going to share with you some of the ways that I learned to cope with it for 45 years before actually getting a diagnosis. And I hope some of these things will help you or a loved one. Welcome to The Shalene Show. Shalene is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. Growing up, I was not a very good student. I had a difficult time paying attention. All of the classic symptoms and struggles of someone with attention deficit disorder. Now, when I was growing up and going to school, it wasn't as common of a diagnosis, and it certainly was less so for girls. Once I did have a formal diagnosis, my symptoms, my experiences, it just kind of seemed so obvious that I had attention deficit disorder and just didn't realize it. If you've listened to any of the previous episodes that I've done on this topic, well, I should say this, if you haven't, I encourage you to go back and listen to those. And I've placed links and quick descriptions of those in the show notes for quick reference for you, because it is really important you understand some things. First of all, that there are seven different types of attention deficit disorder that really Many experts believe there's only two types of attention deficit disorder which benefit from medication. The other five, the symptoms are often made worse and or it's associated with so many other side effects from taking the medication because our brains work differently. Where we receive blood flow and how our brains work are different depending on what type of attention deficit disorder you have. And so I just want to start this episode off with a reminder that the most important organ you have in your body is your brain. 
And it would seem prudent that a doctor treating your brain would want to look at the brain. I think all too often we just allow physicians, psychiatrists to ask a few questions, to assess just from the answers to your questions, whether or not someone has attention deficit disorder. Frankly, it's like asking a series of questions about what it is you can see and never really looking at the eye and being able to determine how far someone can see and how the eye works. And then just writing a prescription for your glasses or contacts. Like it's frankly no different. And I think too many people suffer needlessly and make matters worse by over prescribing these medications to people who are highly addictive slightly obsessive or worse, and they become addicted to these medications, then they struggle with other areas in their life and other areas that are either heightened or made worse by the medication. Then they become addicted to the medications and then they try to titrate up and titrate down and change medications. And it can really turn into a nightmare. If what I'm describing is you or a loved one, may I suggest that you actually treat with a physician who looks at the brain, a brain SPECT, which is different from a brain MRI, a brain SPECT, S-P-E-C-T. And this is not an ad for the Amen Clinics. There are other great experts out there who do brain specs, but that would be my recommendation is to treat with a physician, with a psychologist, with a neurologist, with a specialty in looking at the brain and a specialty in really truly understanding attention deficit disorder because you may be needlessly making the problem worse. All right, enough said. Let's move on to coping techniques. I'm going to offer first a tip and then I'm going to give you specific examples. My first tip is to stay focused on singular tasks, monotask instead of multitask. For whatever reason, we celebrate the idea that people can and should be multitasking. The reality is no one multitasks Yet some people are better able to toggle back and forth between tasks. If you have attention deficit disorder, this is really challenging. Each time you toggle back and forth, you have to then get your brain refocused into that area. You have to recall where it was you left off and you have to deal with the noise that you can feel, the anxiety, the pressure in your brain that's required each time you change focus. Like it is incredibly hard for those of us with attention deficit disorder to toggle back and forth between tasks. Once I accepted the fact that it actually made me more productive not to multitask, I became so much more productive. I used to think, well, gosh, everybody else can multitask. I'll get more done if I'm trying to do more things at once. It's kind of how my brain works anyways. It like bounces around. And so it seemed like I was working with my brain to allow myself to bounce back and forth between tasks until I realized it was making me feel exhausted. Because, you know, each time your brain has to decide what to do with something, whether that's to ignore a piece of information or to reply to the text message that just came in or to turn the music down or to sing along with the lyrics or to listen in on the conversation that's going on in the background. All of these things that are happening simultaneously while you're working on something, your brain has to do something with that information. And the attention deficit disorder individual They're struggling with all of these decisions at once where someone without attention deficit disorder can block them out. Well, we can't. We really cannot. So each time you have to make a decision, in other words, what do I do with this information? It 
requires glucose in the brain. It's literally an energy process, which is why it can feel so exhausting the more distractions and the more often you have to toggle back and forth. So stay focused singularly on one task at a time. And the only way to do this is to recognize that it's your responsibility. Like this is your issue. This is how your brain works and it's up to you to protect it. It is up to you to know how to set yourself up for success, how to communicate this to other people, how to organize your day, how to organize yourself and specifically how to communicate to others what it is you need. The more we remind people what it is we need, the quicker they will become aware that you're able to better serve them. This is like family members, coworkers, etc., by enabling you to do your best work. For me personally, my husband and I, I'm sure you've listened to those previous episodes. If not, go back and listen to those. I've learned to communicate to him very honestly. I'm not able to process that information right now. I won't recall it and I can't give you a complete answer. I can't give it my full attention right now. Is that something that we can talk about later? Having those types of conversations with the people that you work with, the people you live with, the people you love, might feel selfish. It might feel like, gosh, you know, I'm asking people to hold that thought or, you know, I'm asking people to treat me differently. But let me explain this. If you don't do that and you know you have ADD, if you don't set up those boundaries and if you aren't clearly communicating the state that your mind is in in that moment and and also doing that with candor and kindness, like you can't be short tempered with people because they're able to multitask. You can't get angry with people that they don't understand the way your brain works. Like you can't get angry about that because you have completely different brains. You're like literally from different planets. So you have to be very polite and very kind and almost asking for forgiveness and explaining. I know that this is something you probably need an answer from me right now, but if you can just give me 10 more minutes to complete this task, then I can give you my undivided attention. Not doing that, in my opinion, is far more damaging, destructive, and selfish because you know if you have ADD and someone tries to have that conversation with you when your brain is someplace else or you're just in the middle of finishing something, a thought, a project, etc., you're A, going to forget it, B, you're going to be distracted, you're not going to be able to think clearly, and then later you're either going to miss whatever it was they said, you're going to forget the deadline, you're going to have to ask them again later, and that just creates more tension and frustration, and it is often perceived as you not caring, as you being passive aggressive. Like, I told you to go to the store and that we need diapers and the baby is out of diapers. How could you have forgotten the diapers? It feels personal when you forget those things. When, in fact, what you should have said is, I'm sorry, can you wait to tell me what it is you need for me to get from the store? Because I need to write it down or I need to put it in my phone or I need to be done with this text message or this post I'm doing on Instagram so that you have my undivided attention. My next tip is to create structure. Discipline and structure equal freedom, equal happiness for someone with attention deficit disorder. You know, as an entrepreneur, I can tell you that it's one of the toughest transitions to make is to start working for yourself or for someone with attention deficit disorder when when they graduate from college or graduate from high school even, that structure is missing, which is why people, especially kids with ADD, do so well when they are in sports, 
right? Because it's something physical. It's very structured. There's a specific time. There's an order. There's a routine. And those things make life much easier. So you've got to create that same structure and routine and systemization for yourself. What specifically does that look like for me? It means using my phone as an alarm. Personally, I use a few different tools. I use an app called If This Then That, which is kind of cool. So you can go to I-F-T-T-T, If This Then That. Yeah, so it's an I-F and then three T's. If This Then That, I-F-T-T-T dot com. And it allows you to set up recipes. So for example, one recipe might be you click on the calendar or the time clock icon and you say, if it is 5 p.m., then do this. And the then do this might be send me an email or it might be send a text to my phone. I tend to use almost all reminders that are text messages. That just works best for me. So I'll literally get a text message that says, it's 5 p.m., stop working. It's 8.30 p.m., it's time to get prepped and ready for tomorrow. And if I didn't have that text message reminder, I'm sure that I would miss that window of opportunity to get myself ready for the next day 80% of the time because I can get engrossed in a program. I can get engrossed in work. I can get involved in a lot of things. And most of us with attention deficit disorder have zero concept of time. We can't tell if 10 minutes have passed or an hour and a half. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. That's why I rely on other techniques, other methods to keep myself aware of what time it is. I've also resorted to buying these and I'll put a link in the show notes to these tiny little battery operated clocks and I have them in almost every single room. I have a clock in every single room. I know it's on my phone, but I don't always remember to look at the time on my phone. But if I'm getting a notification, either from a text message or an app that's sending me notifications, then it keeps me on track. I use an app called Relax Melodies that sends me not just a reminder or notification to my phone, but also has the option for me to listen to relaxing meditations before I go to bed. But that really, it keeps me on track. Whatever it is you need on a daily basis, like if there's something you're like, I have to remember, gosh, I've got to get myself organized and I need to spend just an hour each day replying to Instagram messages or I need to spend you know, an hour and a half each day just focused on building my email list or building my business or getting the kids stuff ready, whatever it is, like whatever it is that you are angry with yourself because five out of seven days you forget to do it, then you must set a daily reminder that comes to your phone. You would be shocked to know the number of things I have set up to send text message reminders to me on my phone, including call grandma, including text the kids, I think of my kids every single day, but I get distracted. So I literally have a reminder that comes to my phone that says, text the kids because they don't live at home anymore. I get a text message update or reminder to check in with my husband and to tell him I love him. I know that might sound crazy, but I'm just being honest with you and letting you know that if I don't do these things, there's a very good chance that I will forget and that never feels good. I'll get distracted And I'll miss following through on something that's really important to me. Another example is, and you can set these reminders up to come in daily, weekly, bi-monthly. 
I have a list of people are on a post-it note that's on the inside of my medicine cabinet. And it's a list of people who are really important to me who I don't see on a regular basis. But I just go down that list every day and I pick one new person. I just, it's a reminder to me to connect with them. Because if I don't, too much time passes and I'm thinking about them, but I've become distracted and I've forgotten to check in. I use reminders for every important event, birthdays, even things I have upcoming on my calendar. I always make certain to add reminders a week prior, the day before, and the day of. The more structure and the more systems you have in place, the more successful and the more confident you're going to feel about your gift. Because I really do think that attention deficit disorder is, it's a gift. You know, you might feel like you're scattered, but those of us who have this condition, this gift, we can really get super involved and focused beyond belief, which is really kind of the oxymoron of ADD. Like if it's something you're crazy interested in, Hours and hours can pass. You can get so focused and so deep into something that you can kind of blow other people away who lack the intensity when it comes to learning about things or studying things or the passion that you have for certain areas. But because of that, it's also really important that you create the freedom and the systems you need in place to do that. And that's why I had to learn myself to use a daily planner. This changed my life. And I want to give credit where it is due. I did a workshop, a seminar I attended with Brian Tracy back in 19, let's see, 1996? Maybe it was 97. I think it was 97. I'll have to look that up. 97. Yeah, I'm going to guess it was 97. And I specifically went to the seminar to hear a bunch of personal development experts, including Tony Robbins and Billy Blinks, right? Those are the headliners that I was really interested in hearing from at the time, obviously, Billy Blinks because of Typo, and I had created this program called Turbo. And there was this gentleman who spoke on the stage. His name was Brian Tracy, and he was maybe the second or third speaker of the day. And he very deliberately described how you could time block your day and how you could accomplish goals by writing them down and writing down your schedule each day and then figuring out what must be done today. Not all the things I'd like to do, like what must get done today and then specifically how to start with that first. In other words, a concept that he referred to as eating the frog, meaning if you do the most horrific, disgusting thing first, everything else feels like a breeze and you also got the most important thing done and out of the way, which gives you this endorphin rush. It fills you with confidence. When you have something you have to do, and it's the biggest, most important thing, and you put it off, it lingers in your subconscious all day long. All day long, it's a distraction until you get it done. So by doing it first, you actually free your mind. Learning how to time block my day and to stick to it, and then In conjunction with that, using my phone to keep me on track so I know, oh, it's 10 o'clock, it's time to start work. Oh, it's three o'clock, it's time to do fill in the blank. Like using time blocks and also my phone as a reminder, as an alarm, changed everything. I mean, everything in my life changed. That's when like, oh gosh, I can't even tell you how much more productive, how much more confident I felt, how much more success I was able to enjoy by learning how to set these systems up. So I started writing down my schedule every single day and I 
struggled with trying to find like the right day planner. At first, I used the Franklin Covey and and that got really big and bulky because it was like the whole year and, and I didn't like carrying it around. But I did. I did for many years and it was an incredible tool. Over the years, I experimented with countless types of day planners and journals for a period of time, especially when the iPhone first became like kind of, you know, that thing that we were all carrying around all the time. I was like, oh, cool. I don't have to use a written journal anymore. I'll just use an app. And I started using an app called Awesome Note. And I used that for many years. But as time evolved, as the way we used our cell phones evolved, I found that my phone became more white noise. Like I was doing everything on it. So I was forgetting to check my calendar. And then I looked into the research behind handwriting your daily plan and the process by which of forming each letter in your own handwriting, not just like digitally, but forming each and every letter. And the reason why it makes such a difference is because of neuroscience. When we create a plan in our own handwriting, whether that's a schedule or a goal, two things happen. One is what's known as external storage. And the second is referred to as encoding. Now let's talk about external storage. External storage, well, it's kind of easy to explain. It's like the information that you've written down has a place. It has a location. You've taken it externally from your brain and put it or placed it somewhere where you have the ability to access and to review it later. You know, the same is true if you're struggling with a problem, if you're trying to come up with solutions, if you're trying to look at options. That's why I always say, take a pen to paper because you've got to get that information externally. You've got to get it outside of your head and store it someplace. And ideally, you want to do that not on a digital device, but on a piece of paper for the second reason, which is called encoding. Now, encoding is something that happens on a deeper biological level, if you will. As we write down the letters, the words, the numbers that represent our schedule or our goal or our brainstorming, that process of forming each and every letter is coding, right? Like you are decoding, if you will, your ideas or thoughts. And what your brain does is it stores that information in your hippocampus so that the hippocampus can analyze it. Now, this is all done on kind of a subconscious level, but it's there that decisions are made about what it is we need to store in our long-term memory and our short-term memory and what just gets discarded. So if I enter my schedule digitally with my thumbs into my phone That doesn't have the same long-term storage. It doesn't have the same power or encoding process that happens when we actually take our hand and form the letters and the words, which is the answer to the question that people always ask me, why don't you make a Smart Life Push Journal app? And the answer is because I don't see it as useful anymore. I don't want to encourage people to use their phone app for scheduling and goal setting and brainstorming and assessing what's going right and going wrong in your life. I don't want you to do that on your phone. Why? Because I know there's a far more effective way to do it. And it's called in your own handwriting. And that's why I created the Smart Life Push Journal. I created it for me because I have ADD. I created it for me because I looked at the neuroscience and I realized that my own ability to keep myself structured and to accomplish my goals was slipping the more I was using 
than the way we were all using our iPhone, the way that started to change, I couldn't figure out like, why is this not as effective for me anymore? And it just makes sense. Study after study of the neurology, the neuroscience behind this process has made it very clear that you're going to get better results and be more likely to adhere to a schedule when it's put in your own handwriting. And that goes for goal setting, brainstorming, and your schedule. My next tip for you is to be very careful about how you structure your environment. People with attention deficit disorder typically need as few or as minimal distractions as possible. That means you need to turn off the radio, put your phone on silent or airplane mode, close additional windows and tabs. If you work in a busy environment where there's a lot of noise and a lot of distractions, wear noise-canceling headphones. Man, those things are a godsend. I love my Bose noise-canceling headphones. They're amazing. And they really allow me to be far more effective. Here's the other thing they do. When I have on noise-canceling headphones, other people know not to interrupt and distract me, right? You're just less likely to, you know, just randomly say something to someone or randomly ask a question and interrupt them if they have headphones on because you assume they're busy listening to something. And that is really important because if you have attention deficit disorder and you're in the middle of a thought or in the middle of a project and you're interrupted, even out of kindness, someone says to you, hey, what would you like to have for lunch today? And you're like right in the middle of that thought process. The average person can say, you know what sounds good to me is a chicken salad or whatever. But for you, you'll freeze and your brain goes kind of back and forth between what you're doing and what they've just asked and what you're doing and what they've just asked. And then it's funny because maybe this sounds familiar to you. If this were to happen to me, I'll I'll go, wait, wait, what did you just ask me? I asked what you would like for lunch. Okay, um, let me see. Okay, when is lunch? Whenever you want. All right, all right. For lunch? Okay, so... What are my options? My brain has such a hard time like coming out of what it is I was in the middle of that it's probably really frustrating and annoying to someone who's like, I just asked you what you want for freaking lunch. Why are you acting like this is a confusing question? Because it really is. If you have attention deficit disorder, it's really hard to toggle back and forth between topics. So I'll just keep my headphones on. And people tend to be a little bit more respective of the idea that you are in the middle of something. And they'll say something like, when you have a moment. If someone says to me, when you have a moment, that's awesome. It allows me to finish my thought to get to a place where I can pick back up pretty easily. But that's up to you. You can't get angry or upset or get frustrated with other people because their brain doesn't work that way. Your brain does, and it's up to you to set yourself up for success. Again, so I use a Smart Life push journal. I do think it is the absolute ultimate tool for anyone who has attention deficit disorder. It is very streamlined. It is very simple to use. Someone with attention deficit disorder designed it, i.e. me, and we've refined it. And if you've ever tried one in the past, it just keeps getting better and better and better. And you can check them out by going to pushjournal.com. They're really cool. We've got colors for guys too. And they're just really easy to use because they're not dated. So like if you forget a couple of days because you have ADD, it's not like those days are wasted because they're dated. You actually write down the date that you're using it. Some people only use their day planners like Monday through Friday. So I want you to check those out. 
not just because I've created them, but because if you're listening to this, you either have ADD or you know someone who does. And yes, these planners work whether you have a business or not. They work if you're in college or high school. Like They just are a streamlined way to get your stuff together, to keep your life organized all in one place, 30 days at a time. All right, my next tip is that you need physical triggers as well as like triggers on your phone, like alarms, etc. Physical triggers are a way for you to establish habits. Now, habits require a couple of things. Number one is a trigger, like something that's like usually a physical reminder that could be a space or it could be something that you see that reminds you to do something. Once you think about doing that thing, you want to immediately in your brain tap into the reward you feel for doing that thing. So for example, myself, I place my push journal across my sink. And I do so because that is a physical reminder to me. And I've attached that to a already existing habit. So the habit of brushing my teeth when I walk into the bathroom in the morning, I brush my teeth. That's like the first thing I do is I brush my teeth. But I can't brush my teeth if my push journal is in the sink or laying across the sink. So it's a reminder to me that like, okay, I enjoy brushing my teeth. I like brushing my teeth. Just wait 10 more minutes and just quickly detail out what your schedule looks like for the day. And then you brush your teeth. But I think about the reward. I think about, first of all, how good I feel about myself for doing that on the daily. I also think about how much calmer and more organized and detailed I'm going to feel once I have my schedule laid out or even just a few things off of my brain and onto my push journal. And then I brush my teeth. But the physical trigger is seeing the push journal either in my sink or across my sink. Another example of this was before we got one of those Nest thermostats, you know, that you can like program your whole house. We have one of the old school thermostats. And I couldn't remember every day to turn the air down. Like I like it frigid cold at night when we're sleeping, but I would forget to adjust the air in the morning. And then I'd go back into our bedroom sometime in the middle of the day. And it doesn't need to be 66 degrees. That's exactly how cold I like to sleep. But it didn't need to be 66 degrees. I didn't need the air conditioning unit running all day and all night. And I don't like the house that cold during the day. But every single day, you would think like just walking past the thermostat would be a reminder. But it wasn't. Because that's normal. I expect to see a thermostat there. So my brain doesn't do anything with that information. So what I did to train my Myself, this is again before we got the nest, is I put a bright neon colored sticky note over the thermostat so that every time I walked past it, I would go like, wait, that's not supposed to be there. And your brain needs to do something when it sees something in a place that's not supposed to be there. So then I would like go, oh yeah, that's right. That's a reminder for me to adjust the thermostat. And I, I did that for about three, maybe four months. Certainly, you've heard someone in the past say that it only takes 21 days to form a habit. But the fact of the matter is there is no set number of days that's required or number of times you need to repeat it. It's the strength of a couple of things, the strength of your trigger and the strength of the reward. For that reason, some habits may take a little longer to form, and some can be formed within just a matter of days if you've got the right trigger. For me, I immediately, every single day, I never forgot to turn the air back to a normal temperature, but I knew I needed to get into that physical habit of every time I walked past the thermostat seeing the post-it note. Now, if I had removed the post-it note after a week, 
physically I hadn't formed that trigger yet. So I kept it up for like three or four months until I I knew as I was approaching the thermostat, even before I saw the post-it note, I was already thinking about it. And that's how I knew, okay, this habit is beginning to stick. Again, some habits, like the fact that my push journal goes across the sink, like I just do that because it's a good place to put it, but now it's very much a habit. So like even on the weekends when we travel, I don't always remember to put my journal across my sink, but I've done it for so long that I've now tied it to my habit of brushing my teeth. So it's a habit. My next tip and suggestion for you is to use lists for everything. Attention deficit disorder individuals are easily distracted. So even though you may in your mind know exactly what you need to pack or what things need to go in your bag as you're leaving for work each morning or the things that you need to make certain get done before you produce your podcast or fill in the blank. like You have these things you do every single day or routinely and you know what they are. And it's not that you've forgotten to do them. Oftentimes what happens is you're in the middle of doing that thing and you get distracted. The average person can be packing for a trip, get a text message, and they're fine. But if you have a certain forms of attention deficit disorder, you can be packing for a trip, get a text message, and you've just blown it. Now you have completely forgotten what you've packed. That text message, the person who rang your doorbell, the vase that you knocked over, created an interruption in your pattern. And that often results in you missing an ingredient, forgetting to do something very important. That's why using a list for freaking everything is going to save you time, frustration, and self-doubt. You know, it doesn't feel good to forget important things, important details. It feels horrible. I mean, especially for kids, man, because they don't even know why they've forgotten. And you feel like you're dumb. You feel like... Am I not intelligent? Why is it everyone else can get this right and I forget these important details or I miss something that's so obvious? It's unbelievable that I forgot this. And that is why you absolutely have got to live by the list. Entrepreneurs and moms and dads, this is especially true for you. You need a list for absolutely everything that you're going to do more than once. I have lists for how to pack to a warm weather vacation, a cold weather vacation. I have lists for absolutely every single process in our business, from releasing a podcast, planning an event, creating a launch, developing a freemium, like every single thing that we've done more than once, there's a checklist for it. That's for me. It's also for my employees. But I have checklists for anything you can think of related to life. I have checklists for home care, closet organization. I have a checklist for everything I need to get done at night for the next day, including my clothes, my makeup, my food, my push journal, like everything. I have a list for freaking everything. I've been doing list making for years, but it's not just list making. It's referring back to the list and making the list longer. Here's the deal. The longer I make the list, the better I feel and the more likely I am to produce a successful result because I'm not going to forget a key ingredient. The smallest of details go on my list. You can create this on an app on your phone if you want or you can create it on Google. You wanna create it someplace where you have access to it whether you have Wi-Fi or not. It's also a great idea to print these lists 
For me, when I'm packing or if I have a big event, I print out every single list I need because I actually like to, again, physically check those things off the list. It's a neurological response that allows my brain to put in my hippocampus and start to work on it without even thinking about it. My next important tip for you is to remember that you've got to get organized in order to stay organized. The more organization you have in your life, the better your brain will function. A messy, cluttered environment is the absolute worst environment for someone with ADD. And ironically, we're usually the messiest and the most disorganized. So create a system. In fact, I'm going to place a link to my declutter project that I did last January, depending on when you're listening to this. And I want you to listen to that four-part series. I think it's four parts. It might even be longer than that to help you to understand there's a process to getting organized and it's not just deciding, okay, we're going to get organized this week. Like there's a process to do this so that you don't end up disorganized again later. And organization is the cornerstone to success if you have attention deficit disorder. Everything needs a place, a home. That's one less thing you have to think about. If there's clutter, if there's things strewn about your house that don't belong where they are, number one, you're going to waste so much time and energy thinking about those things, seeing them, and they're going to sit in the front of your brain as a distraction. They're going to distract you. They're going to overwhelm you. And you're going to wonder why it is you can't start that health program or that business or doing the things that you know you need to do is nearly impossible if there's clutter everywhere and you have attention deficit disorder. But I'll just bet 90% of that clutter is your doing. So you need to create systems and then you have to stick to those systems. Your keys need to go in the exact same place every single day. Your shoes need to not just be put on the floor wherever, like they need to go back to their home. Everything goes back to its home. You must force yourself to do this and you must do it now. Those of us with ADD, we tend to go, oh, okay, I don't want to think about that right now. I'm going to just take my clothes off and throw them on the floor because I'm already excited about this next thing that I want to do. I'll come back and put those clothes away after I post this thing to Instagram. No, repeat this phrase, do it now, do it now, do it now. You can change the way your brain works. You can develop a new inner dialogue that keeps you accountable on track and organized. Do it now, do it now, do it now. I want you to repeat that phrase, except when you have an idea or that impulsive creativity strikes you, in which case I want you to say the opposite. I want you to say, pause. Do I need to do this right now? Does it make sense for me to do this right now? Do I really need to do this right now? You see, we can become very impulsive and we can say to ourselves like, oh gosh, I've got like 10 minutes to get ready to leave for work, but I just noticed that the refrigerator hasn't been cleaned out in a week and hmm, I think I'll start that project right now, now that I have like 10 minutes left to go to work. And our brains can start going like, oh, yeah, 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 I want to do this. Like, I, I really want to do this. I'm really distracted by this thing. In which case, I want you to stop yourself. Literally, you're going to pause and say, does it make sense to do this right now? Not now. If you have attention deficit disorder, you can't expect the world to operate on your time frame. You can't make excuses. We have to be better. We have to take full responsibility. It is up to me to say, 
do I need to do this now? And I have to manage me. I'm an adult. I have to control my impulses. And so do you. And I don't know if this is true for you, but I found that one of the reasons why I was so impulsive and wanted to do things like right now while I'm thinking about it is because of my fear that I would forget to do it later. So in my mind, I was like, oh, this is really interesting and I'm drawn to it. Like I feel magnetically drawn to do this right now, even though it is incredibly inappropriate based on everything else I have to do. So what I've learned instead to manage that impulse is I'll just take a picture of whatever it is. I'll take a picture of it that allows my brain to relax and to not feel so compelled to do it in that moment. Or I place it in my push journal so that I can actually schedule the time, a time block, to give it the attention that it needs. By creating a pause, I'm also learning that things that feel really urgent in the moment, if I pause and give myself time to write it down in a push journal, then later when I take a look at all the things I need to get done, I'm better able to discern which things actually are a priority and which things are just interesting to me. You see, if you just act on your whims, you're never going to get the important things done. And then you never feel good about yourself if you have ADD because you're acting on your impulses as opposed to what's truly important to you. And the last two things I want to mention is number one, sleep, and then number two, medication. So first, let's talk about sleep. Sleep is the brain's superpower, and you need to be able to focus. When we are short on sleep, when we are sleep deprived, the brain does not connect synapses in the same manner in which it does when you've had adequate sleep. If you want your brain to function at a higher level, you've got to prioritize sleep and stress management, period, end of subject. And that's really hard for those of us with ADD because our minds race. We're always thinking about cool, creative new things that we can do. We tend to want to stay up later. And the fact of the matter is you need to get addicted to sleep and get better sleep. Go to bed earlier. You can wake up early, but you need to go to bed earlier. Number two, medication. I think that a lot of people are on attention deficit medication, attention deficit disorder medication, especially kids who perhaps are doing themselves a disservice, as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast. So I'm going to share with you what I do, but please keep in mind that I've had a brain spec. My brain has been looked at. I'm under the supervision of the folks at the Amen Clinic. I have a form of ADD called inattentive ADD. When I hear other people talk about how they feel on ADD medication, I don't relate at all because I don't feel those things at all. So it's really important you be aware. Like if you have ring of fire ADD, you are going to have, and you go on any type of like Adderall or Ritalin, it is not uncommon to have heightened anxiety, obsession, suicidal thoughts, compulsions, depression, and other symptoms. So again, just I want to reiterate how important it is that you actually know what type of ADD you have before considering medication, because what you might need to consider is supplementation. There are ways to use brain supplements to improve the function of your mind and that the medications you're taking may make it worse. Anyways, again, I have inattentive ADD. I use Adderall almost daily. I currently kind of waver between two different types of dosages, depending on what I have to do that day, depending on the amount of sleep that I've had, and depending on how I'm feeling. 
and what's going on. So I either take five milligrams mid-morning, which is a pretty low dosage. It doesn't make me feel hyper. It doesn't make me feel anything. It doesn't make me feel anxious. I just feel as though I can focus better. And on certain days, I'll take a time-released tablet that releases it slowly over the course of a day. And my time release capsule, I think is a total of 15 milligrams. So it's, you know, it's kind of slowly giving me the same effects of taking five milligrams throughout the day. And I've had to experiment with that. At first, that one would make me super focused. Again, I would never feel hyper. I didn't, unfortunately, it never affected my my appetite. I know some people, I know that there's a trend in Hollywood. A lot of Hollywood types take Adderall because it helps them to suppress their appetite. I don't have any of those effects whatsoever. I just don't feel different at all other than I find that I can focus better. I can think about things. People can share details with me and I can really pay attention much better. But again, I don't think this is something for you to play around with. I think you should work with an expert. I'm going to provide some of my favorite resources, books on the subject of ADD and helping you to figure out what type perhaps you have. And I hope that this was helpful for you, if not for you, for someone that you love. I think having attention deficit disorder has been a gift. I also think that it was a gift that I didn't know I had until I was 45 because I had to figure out all these ways of coping. And now that I know that I have it and I have all these systems in place, it just, it makes life so much easier. Dude, systems. I am the queen of routine. The queen, hashtag queen of routine, if you listen to this episode. By the way, thanks for leaving me a review. Thanks for double checking and making sure that you're subscribed. If you're still trying to figure out what to get me as a, uh, a Christmas gift, I'll tell you what you can do. You can steal your friend's phone and subscribe them to The Shaleen Show and build your tribe and then send me a screenshot and say, I stole my friend's phone. Merry Christmas. Because sharing is caring. Listen, I love you. I mean it. And I'll talk to you soon. Hey, this is Ashley Sweeney, registered dietitian and program director for Shaleen's 131 Method. Do you want to lose weight fast, drop some pounds before a wedding or before heading on vacation? Sign up today for a free seven-day meal plan designed to help you lose weight fast and feel great. No crazy fads, just real nutrition and real weight loss. Sign up today for free at shaleen.com forward slash weight loss.